Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Jason and Daya and Man Win from Hando coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Fluff Bake Bar in Midtown. Becky Masson, welcome back to the show. How are you? Living the dream, Eric. I'm you glad. I'm, <laughs> Becky, I'm glad you're here. We have much to discuss. Thank you for having me as always. Let us start with the, uh, let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. A Montrose institution is shuddering. Sad to report that the Black Labrador Pub is going to close December 15th. It's been open for over 30 years. That's amazing. It's amazing that it's... 30 years. That no, it lasted 30 years or it's amazing that no. it's still open? Because I kind of feel the other way. Um, I think it's amazing it's lasted 30 years. Yeah. Not a lot of, not a lot of British pubs in Houston. I mean, I was... I was thinking about it for the article I wrote in Culture Map about the closing, and, and I suggested uh, the Red Lion and the Richmond Arms as alternatives for people who uh, are nervous about not being able to find Shepherd's Pie or Bubble and Squeak somewhere. And then someone in the comments, maybe on Facebook, was like, what about the Mucky Duck? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's still a thing, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, th- I, I don't think of that as a food place. No. I've been to the Red Lion a few times. They have a good, like, um, English Indian curry on the menu. Yeah, but yeah. I they, think I've been to Black Lab once. So this is, um, I've, I've talked about this on the show before, maybe not with you. This is um, a prior relationship that ended about seven or eight years ago. Uh-huh. It was one of the places that her family liked to go. Ah. So when we split up, did it, she win the Black Lab? Well, I never wanted it in the first place. <laughs> but just the possibility that I might run into either her or members of her family there is it has been enough to keep me away. Uh, I could see that. So That's why you never take a new significant other to your favorite places. No. No, very very uh there's a few places that I'm I'm very protective of and and that we have to sort of wait to go to depending on I really enjoy watching there's like a handful of customers they're guys and they'll bring ladies into fluff bake bar and they'll come a couple times with the same one and then like a couple weeks later they'll have a new one (laughs) or you know it's hilarious to watch and I'm like dude you can't bring them to your favorite bakery because if you split up she may win the bakery and we won't see you again (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't know quite what the etiquette is. I you know, if as long as I don't right, you can go whenever you want as long as I don't well, it depends on it depends on how long things <laughs> lasted, right? Like whether I care about seeing someone again. Like if we if we only went out a couple of times and it just you know, we went our separate ways, no hard feelings. Right. Go wherever you want. But I mean it's a few I mean, I have to be seeing you for a few months before I take you to Real. True story. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's like that. Like the other day, I, I opened up 
uh, the maps after work, and it told me that I was. It gave me directions to Rial, <laughs> and I went, "Oh shit, maybe I'm going here too much." But yeah, like you, you know. So I fully understand not wanting to go in some place for the fear of seeing someone or someone related to that person. Right, and and you know, and if we're being really honest, it, it's not that I thought that the Black Lab was a place worth fighting for. Right. Right. Like I, I don't even remember. I don't even know what I would get there. I mean, it was, if anything, it was more about like having a pint of beer, like a bass or something like something you don't see on tap walls anymore. And just that like really cozy environment with the fireplace. It's more of a vibe than like a food. Exactly. Uh, But there has been, uh, there's a lot of um, sadness about this closing. You know, it's been, it was one of those places, especially depending on, yeah. Depending on how long you were in Montrose, like you, like first dates or anniversaries or, or just, you know, good times with friends you don't see anymore. So, yeah, there's been a lot of upset about this. I could see that. I could understand that. And then, you know, I guess we can we can talk about this. Eater, Eater reported it and I'd heard about it behind the scenes. Aaron Bludorn from Cafe Baloo was looking at it, was looking at that space to take it over. Huh. And that deal fell through. So I don't under so is is the university taking it back? Well, so that's what's not clear, right? Is so the University of St. Thomas owns that property and there's a plan that would result in the library that's also on that property moving okay. from that building to a new building that's going to be constructed where like next to Uchi where uh, okay. Theo's and that police station are. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that that project is called Montrose Commons and if you know, they they still have to negotiate the final terms with the city, but but part of the proposal is that the library would move. So at that point, the building would be totally vacant, and then it seems like yeah, maybe maybe the university would claim it for their own purposes. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would tear it down for redevelopment. Maybe they would sell it to someone. You know, we I I sent an email to a representative for St. Thomas and was like, "Can you tell me what's going on in the building?" And they basically gave me a non-statement like yeah you know we'll consult with the what's best for the university and we'll kind of get back to you it's like all right so yeah interesting black lab going away you've got about a month to make one last visit do you think you'll go no me neither (laughs) sorry i don't but i know some people are going some people are definitely going to be really upset some i'm going to get an at least one angry email about uh about my callousness with the the shuttering of the black lab. I don't lab. think you're being callous. I think you're being truthful. There's a difference. And that's, I think that's hopefully that's why people listen to the show. Yeah. All right. Topic number two. New York, uh, New York deli and coffee shop and the bagel shop bakery, which I always growing up, I, I just called it New York bagels, but they've, they've rebranded slightly um, because they have a new partner who, uh, who bought in earlier this year. When Michael Sagan, Michael, I'm sorry if that's not right. Um, when he who he owns Houston Catering Concepts, when he came into the business, they talked about maybe another location, which I sort of shrugged my shoulders at because, like, there's really only one bagel shop. Like, why does there need to be two bagel shops? But they bought a place in Bel Air, right near the Triangle. It used to be a it used to be an Eckerd's, and for the last little while, it's been a pawn shop. Uh, it's like right across. Yeah, that's how long ago it was. 
It's right across. It's it's very close to Bernie's Burger Bus. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay. So I know where that is. Twelve thousand square foot building. Dang. They're gonna do a catering kitchen, uh, a private event space for about a hundred, a two hundred seat version of New York Deli and Coffee Shop, and then a bagel bakery with a separate entrance because that way it can be certified kosher. Okay. Right. If it's separate, yeah. If it's separate, right? There's a lot of technical rules about how two businesses under the same roof, one could be not kosher and one could be kosher, but they're going to comply with all of that. Um, yeah, this is, this is like a beloved institution, especially in the Jewish community. I mean, I know, and I know other people who are fans of it. Like when Ryan Lashane was on the show, yeah, that was our restaurant of the week because he goes there all the time. Uh, this is big news. It's huge. There, I think, but I think they're going like, I think Bel Air is like a great community for them. Yes. Like, I think it's, there's not a lot over there. Like, right. There's not a lot of like breakfasty stuff. Yeah. Right. Other than, I mean, there's like Dandelion Cafe, which is pretty different. There's, I, I want to say it's called the Beller Coffee Shop, or there's Ooh. like, uh, I don't know that one. It's been around for a while. Anyway, I, I, I probably have the name wrong, but there's a couple of kind of small little places, nothing on this scale, and nothing that's like connected to the Jewish community, which, like when the bagel shop opened at Hillcroft and Brazewood all those, you know, 45 years ago, that was like closer to the heart of the Jewish community. And of course, the Jewish community has shifted slightly like deep, like closer to the loop in Meyerland and into Bel Air. Okay. So this moves, th- this puts them, the second location puts them closer to where people are, first of all. And I think being kosher is super important. So now they have... Because you said they were going to do hollows and stuff like that, too. Well, right. Because Three Brothers is no longer kosher. They got into a spat with the Kosher Association earlier this year and lost like somebody, lost their certification. I feel like that's somebody you don't want to piss off. Well, they they had their own legitimate business reason for... They stayed open during Passover. Oh, that's right. That's right. Which violates the law, like the, the, the Jewish laws. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so... They thought they needed to do it to raise the revenue, but it means that they lost the ability to sell like challah and cookies and stuff to synagogues, Jewish schools, you know, anybody who needs like kosher, like explicitly kosher food for like a wedding or a bar mitzvah or whatever. So Three Brothers has filled that, Three Brothers is filling that gap. I feel like that's pretty big business. It's not, so, so it's interesting. They said it's not like huge, huh. but it puts them it gives them credibility with that more orthodox community uh-huh. that they didn't really have before because it, like they've always, the bagel shop has always been kosher, but it's not, they were grandfathered. There were anyway, so they're fully compliant now. Okay. And, and this new one will be, might even have a little seating to oh. accommodate people who, cause they won't, if you keep kosher, you won't eat at a not kosher restaurant like the deli. Uh-huh. So they won't stay for breakfast. But if there were cafe seating in the bagel shop, they'll stay. They might. Yeah. They might get a, you know, a bagel and a schmear. Man, I want maybe some lunch. I'm gonna have to like learn more about this. This is interesting. Yeah, this is like a deep dive. This is like a deep dive into anyway. But so <laughs> going off on a tangent, sorry. This is this is like this is this is when people start listening at like one and a half X or, or like fast forwarding <laughs> trying like, to get to the end of the conversation. <laughs> fast forward thirty seconds. We're yeah. over this. Right. Yeah. So Anyway, this is a huge move for 
New York deli and coffee shop because it, I mean, it's a big market, right? There's, there's enough people that like delis that like there's room for everybody and, and, and they should be allowed to pursue their own, you know, business interests as they see fit. But do you know what they make at delis? What? Sandwiches. Sandwiches. You love sandwiches. (laughs) Real sandwiches, not, not fake sandwiches. Exactly. But no, I mean, this is, um, given the, the size and, and, an expanded menu and the ability to be open for dinner, all of which they want to do. That's exciting. Good for them. Yeah. And Go it's also it. like, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a viable alternative to Kenny and Ziggy's, which doesn't really exist right now. Ooh. Especially at dinner, especially, especially on the weekends uh-huh. when big groups of people want to get together and they can't at the deli right now because it's too small. Too small. Now they have a new one. They go to, they can go to Kenny and Ziggy. Now they can go to Kenny and Ziggy's a year from now. They can go to. The They'll be able to go to the second location of the of New York Deli. That's exciting. Yeah. Options are always good. Options are always good. So, yeah, I'm excited for those guys. Um, all right. Topic number three. Mazrafs is moving. Currently located at the intersection of Post Oak and San Felipe. Russell Mazraf, who owns the restaurant with his father, Tony, is very pessimistic about what Post Oak is going to be like once those buses start rolling down that dedicated but rapid bus lane that they're building. I am so... I complete, Whose bright idea was this? So I can get up and down Post Oak in a bus? Who I'm are the so, marketing geniuses? No, I'm, I'm so... With this man, I don't know him. I have only been to Maserat's delivering a cake. I'm sorry, but I have never agreed more with someone. That is, yeah, get up and move, dude. Go, go, yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I summarized about ten minutes of our conversation, ranting about the bus line into like two paragraphs, just for well, just to keep does, things where moving. Does it go? What's the so point? it so it so all right so you're gonna have to get into it transit I, talk all right yeah so it goes from the the park and ride there's like a bus center like where 290 and 610 and i10 all come together okay so it starts there uh-huh. and then they're building another kind of one of those like on the other side of 59 like where like the rice is like where okay. sam's and micro center and all yeah. that are West Park and West Park and 610, basically. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and then it will have a dedicated lane down Post Oak, which if you drive down Post Oak, you can see it because it's, it's pretty well done. The buses are pretty close to rolling. His argument is that it makes like the, the construction has, has, has hurt his business dramatically and he doesn't think it's coming back once the buses start rolling. Well, no, and it's the most asinine thing ever because I see the the bus lane going over six ten. That that is the oh, don't even get me started. You should have just made a flyover for people to go bypass the gallery to go into Meyerland and that. But that one up and down Post Oak, like it's just a headache right now and has been for years. And it it's it's pointless. It's pointless. You who's going to write it? Well, so that is his argument. Right. And, I and, and he, agree with that man. he sued them to try to stop this and it didn't work. But according to him, that that 
that Post Oak bus, the bus line that already runs down Post Oak is one of the highest subsidies, which means low ridership. Mm-hmm. And he thinks it will continue to be that. So he's nobody leaving. Nobody in that neighborhood's going to ride a bus. They all got their fancy cars. Well, but the people who work in those businesses. They're not going to ride a bus either. <laughs> Houstonians don't ride buses. Well, they love their cars. I, I mean, I'm a native Houstonian and I love my car. And I think I've, I've ridden the light rail a couple of times, like to get to NRG for an event or to go yeah, downtown. That's it. But I think I've ridden, I've ridden an actual Metro bus like two or three times. I will say I moved here from mm. New York City and I um, didn't have a car when I moved here. And I lived with the Wilsons for three months. And it took 16 minutes to get from the Wilsons to downtown to the 17 Hotel where I was working. It took an hour and 23 minutes on the bus. Yeah, we stu- we, I, I, as soon as Mr. Wilson found me a car, I bought it. I was like, I'm over this. I'm not doing this. this and then bless my mom's heart. She would sometimes bring me her car. She got on the bus the wrong direction and ended up at Hoppy. <laughs> Poor thing. But it's not friendly. It takes too long. The traffic's bad enough as it is. Like the, the city did wrong with that. Well, I, I bless his heart. all of the transit, all of the transit people can at you. All of the pro transit bring people. it on, come on, because it's not. We're not New York. We're not San Francisco. You know this. It, those trans public transportation has been a part of those communities for centuries, right? Yeah. I didn't have a car the whole time I lived in New York. I didn't have a car the whole time I lived in Paris. I rode the bus. I rode the subway. I walked. It was great. So, I live in uh, Houston. I drive. So get good on him for picking it up and moving it. Right. So where they're moving, actually, in some ways, you know, transit-related rants aside, what he's, I think where he's moving is really smart because there's a, a new mixed-use development that's going to what used to be a Toys R Us on the inbound side of I-10 just east of Bunker Hill. Oh, that's a great neighborhood. Yeah. It's it's so doesn't that, there's a Perry's near there they thirty yeah so there's right so so it's very close to the Liberty Kitchen Treehouse location there you go it's close to Memorial City Mall where there's a Perry's uh, it's it's a little bit east of City Center okay. which I think is probably a good thing but you know his argument is that the the area and and then there's Jonathan's the Rub on Memorial Drive yes which is more upscale uh, so basically his argument is that there's a lack of upscale restaurants and, and you know they do kind of steaks and seafood you know it's a very american fair yeah it's american it's very, fair with yeah. some some french and italian influences it's a little bit i mean from my perspective the cuisine's a little bit dated mm-hmm. but very delicious like not not contemporary but very tasty sometimes that's all that's important yeah and so so he thinks that they'll Whatever they lose by getting away from the hotels or whatever in the Galleria, they will gain by being closer to businesses in the energy corridor from people who don't want to drive in. That's that's fantastic. That's yeah. Three cheers for him. Good luck. Yeah. So that's coming. So all right. So here's the here's the one part of the plan that makes me a little bit nervous. Okay. Their lease ends at the end of April 2020. Uh-huh. He thinks they'll be if if the construction stays on time, he thinks they'll move in like May 15th, somewhere between May 15th and the end of May, like two weeks later, basically. Hmm. Now, you understand the 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 realities of uh, construction. construction and permitting and delays. You what on what day do you like if I said 
August 1st. Mm-hmm. He, th- he says May 15th. I'll say August 1st. You think before or after? Well, I have heard there is someone that you can pay six grand to in the city. <laughs> I don't know this. I'm joking. Um, let's see. He says May 15th. You say August 1st, May, June, July. I'm going to give him July 15th. So you're going to take the, the under. Uh-huh. All right. I yeah. admire your optimism. I Well, I, I have high hopes for him because I, I think what he, I, good on him for doing what he's doing. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to realize that where you're at is not where you're supposed to be. No, and I, I mean, I think it's ballsy. And I think it's because otherwise they would have had, they would have spent a bunch of money renovating, redecorating. You know, they've been in their current location for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So they would be, they, they would be spending some money one way or the other. Well, they probably have diehards that have stayed with them through construction. And those diehards probably won't have any problem driving a little further to go. Right. And if they're because pulling, they're loved. well, and if some of those people are right, they, if some of those people are like from Tanglewood or Briar Grove, like it'll be just as convenient for them to go West as it is for them to go East. Probably better because nobody likes to drive through the Galleria traffic. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to what's Eric eating. Becky, for our restaurant of the week, we're going to talk about, well, technically it's eight restaurants. Politan, well, we only tried six. Okay. Politan Row, (laughs) the new food hall that just opened uh, last weekend in Rice Village. This is from the Politan Group. They own St. Rock Market in New Orleans. There's a St. Rock in Miami and another Politan Row in Chicago that opened earlier this year. Yeah, if I, you know, this is this is where show prep would have been good. It, let's see if I can do this. So there's Susie, Copa, Kopi and Boba, a soft serve ice cream and coffee concept from Eki and Nikin Probanto, two of the sisters that are partners in Greenway Coffee. There's Nice Sprout, a vegan comfort food concept. There's Torshi, which is Egyptian kind of Mediterranean food. There's Pasha, which is Nikkei cuisine, which is Japanese-Peruvian fusion. There's Eight uh, Cafe, which is uh, Caribbean food. There's Cochinita & Co., uh, Mexican tacos and seafood from Chef Victoria Elizondo. Kin by Evelyn Garcia, formerly of Decatur Bar and Pop-Up Factory. And Breaking Bow. Philip Kim's food truck that now has a permanent location. And then there's a cocktail bar with an agave focused spirits program. And uh, frankly, a, like a pretty big wine list, like a pretty well-priced, yeah. pretty fancy pants wine list. All right. So we didn't go to nice sprout and we didn't go to Torshi, but we ate a little bit of something from everybody else. Well, let me just start at the beginning. What do you think of this food hall thing in general? As a restaurateur yourself, as a business owner. I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I I think for like Victoria and Evelyn and all those guys, like it's a great first start. Um, you know, because somebody's building for you and dealing with all of that and providing you with kitchen and all that stuff. But like I guess as, as a business partner person, I agree with it. As on a personal level, I'm just not crazy about it. Does that make sense? 
Well, so what what about it aren't you crazy about? Well, I just, it, you know, like the stalls. Well, I guess this one in particular, maybe this, you know, the other places are different, but they're just holding food. Like they're doing all the prep beforehand and they're holding food and then, you know, maybe prepping throughout the, like cooking some more throughout the day. And that is just. Right. We should. I, just, I don't think it showcases someone. In right, the best it, light. it results in a certain style of dishes, and, and we should clarify just a little bit what you're talking about. There's a like the space is mostly dining room with the little the little stands in it, uh-huh. and then the part that customers can't see is a prep kitchen in the back. In the back, it's where huge. it's a big space. Yeah, where all of the like the actual cooking is done because there's no vent hoods in the food hall, so there's not like they can't grill or fry. To order, so like you're never going to see like a, a burger concept there because it just wouldn't work. Like the um, the Japanese Peruvian one, like he had tempura on the menu, and I'm like, "How are you doing tempura? Because you can't fry it at your stall, so you're holding it." Like, right, he's frying he's frying shrimp and holding them for I don't know a, less than four hours. Right, whatever at a whatever temperature, <laughs> whatever the legal period of time is at, yeah. at whatever temperature he's. I just don't supposed think, to, and then they go fry more shrimp, right? Like when yeah. it's time to fry more shrimp, they fry more shrimp. I, I just it limits what you can. It totally limits what you can do. Well, yeah, but then the the so, but the question is within that constraint, right? Like sometimes, sometimes those kind of rules spark creativity. Yes, and sometimes it sparks not so good food. Well, so so what did you like, and what? What came up a little short? Because and and we should say we went. Saturday was their first official day open. They'd had a couple of soft openings and a friends and family preview, so it was roughly day four of having people in. Yeah. So don't want to judge it too harshly on day four, no. but we definitely had things we liked and things we didn't. So what at Politan Row impressed you? What um, would you go back for? Victoria's Tacos and Evelyn's um, Barbecue Roadie. Yeah, that Victoria's. Uh, her, Cochinita Pibil, her her stewed braised pork yeah, on the, the homemade corn, corn tortilla and that, yeah, that corn salad. That's my favorite. So Those good. are winners. Yeah, that's definitely delicious. Plus, we got to chat with Victoria and she's a doll. Yeah, she's terrific. Yeah, uh, very welcoming. Um, and Evelyn's, that barbecue roti. Yeah, that barbecue brisket roti is a home run. Uh, so good. I, yeah. I want to try the dumplings. Yeah, I want to try the dumplings and I want to try her curries. I mean, she's got like a, I think it's a... I don't remember if it's short rib or beef cheek. I have to be honest; I didn't look past the roti on the menu. No, the roti, the roti was exactly the right thing to order, and I'm and I'm yeah. glad that we did. Um, I liked the pasha picante roll more than you did. I liked it. It's just not my like. Just, I just, I don't. You're not a big sushi person. Yeah, I'm not a big. Well, I mean, like sashimi. I like sashimi, but I'm not a big like sushi person yes it was it was tasty though yeah no i thought the texture of the rice was good i thought the portion was nice reasonable i thought the flavors were good yes it was cut in a way that i didn't feel like i was putting like a baseball in my mouth no no like eight little eight little bites for but i mean for 15 bucks like that's not cheap but i thought the you know i thought the quality was good and he's got um he's got an incredible resume he worked at katarabata for a long time Mm -hmm. he worked at latin bites he was at mad on their opening crew so I think that guy's really talented and he is he grew up in peru of japanese ancestry so nikkei culture the food that he's serving is his heritage it's it's very interesting and, and it's definitely worth exploring more of it yeah. yeah um 
And then the rest of it was was a little bit of a hodgepodge. That jerk chicken bowl from eight. Uh-uh. It just tasted like I I don't know what was in the marinade, but I got like a soda. Like, like yeah, maybe like, like a, an RC cola or like a Pepsi flavor. Right. Yeah. That I was just not it just dominated everything else in the bowl. I mean, when I think of Jamaican jerk, I think of like spicy. Well, and I had had her jerk chicken wings at the media preview a couple of days before, and they were, and they were delicious. Hmm. And so I was looking for that flavor in the bowl that we ordered, and it wasn't there. No. And they lost her order. Yeah. But that's, that's but that, those that are the happens. kind of those are the kind of blips related to opening. That's why, that, yeah, that's you know, those things happen. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, breaking bow. You got a pork belly. I got a ribeye. Just thought that just the texture wasn't right. It was mushy. Yeah, I took one bite and I was like, no, thank you. Right. I had had the pork belly at the media preview that I liked better. Uh, you know, just like I'd had, and I and I tried torshi both torshi and nice sprout at the media preview. I thought. You know, Torshi's doing this kind of cool. He's doing he does like a scotch egg, but instead of wrapping the egg in sausage, he wraps it in um, falafel. Huh. Which is kind of fun. And they're doing hummus and some other stuff. So I, I think, you know, he has a track record. He had that he had a the same concept at St. Rock Market in New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. So he wanted to move to Houston. He's very happy to be in Houston. So I think that's gonna be okay. And then nice sprout, I mean, look, if you you know Vegan food. Um, the, the the two women who own it seem very enthusiastic. I think that's going to be okay for them, but uh, probably wouldn't be my first choice. The The only thing that kind of struck... Well, all right, the two things, right? Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Like, I think they did a really nice job with the design. It's bright. It's open. You know, I've been critical of some of the other food halls in the past. Um, I think they did a real... I think it looks good. Yes. And then... The other thing is, we were there on Saturday night kind of early. We were the senior citizens of the day. And there were families with young children there. And having a very hard time ordering things. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily know what, like, kids who aren't into food, because there's no burgers, there's no pizza, there's no pasta, there's no chicken tenders. There's no, like, there's no easy. Taco. Right, right. Yeah. Even, right. Even Victoria, it's like, your choices are, you know, stewed pork. Or uh, mole poblano, like, you know, chicken mole poblano. Yeah. Or, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'll i be curious to see how, how that shakes out. But then, I, I mean, I don't know if they even want young families. I think the goal is to sell beer and wine and cocktails. But I think in that neighborhood, you have to cater to some kids. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're, that's, you're that's what's... You're surrounded by families. Right. Yeah. So that definitely has to... There has to be some changes with that. Yeah, I think, I think, well, they have three open stalls. This is true. So there is some room for, um, I, I mean, you know, they've, they've talked, they're, they're talking about a lot of different possibilities. Um, you know, like a sandwich concept might be like a, a fit that would be a little more kid friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, pasta would be, pasta seems like the most obvious choice. I think you have to have a hood vent for that. To boil water? Well, yeah, because it's steam. Oh, well, okay. Then I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that for sure. I don't own a restaurant, so. But it just <laughs> seems like the things I have to have a hood event for seems like pasta would be one of them. Probably a sandwich shop is your best bet. I think you have to have a vent for a pizza oven, too. Yeah, you probably do. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Um, but you'll go back. Maybe, yeah. 
you'll go back for that taco. You'll go yeah. back for more of Evelyn's food. Yeah, I do. There's definitely more stuff of Evelyn's I want to try. Um, but and and oh, we didn't talk about the soft serve. I I mean, I thought that coffee soft serve. You really liked it. I I love coffee ice cream is one of my favorites, and I think it's a very good version of that. And it, you know, it kind of better be right because they they're <laughs> they, Greenway they're Greenway they, co- like they, they're known for Greenway it's coffee. Kind of their thing. It, coffee is kind of their thing. So the coffee ice cream is really good, and I know I know Eki worked really hard to get that recipe right. And they're doing all of their espresso beverages and matcha and milk tea, and so you know it has like a even if you don't want ice cream, like that stand has a utility to the space as a whole that transcends dessert. Well, they'll 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 do well because that is the only sweet in there. Yeah, yeah, they could maybe add another one. They might. Yeah, you never know. I know. Uh. <laughs> all right um well this is going to come out too late to plug your jenny's jenny's ice cream pop-up but what else is going on at fluff bake bar in the next couple like thanksgiving pies yes pies are up on uh you can find the link on instagram and on facebook um we've got the mountain rose apples back if you don't know they're an heirloom apple grown by one orchard in hood river and they're pink and delicious i i paid for Forty dollars for a pie. All right, that's what you charge. It's forty-eight. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever it was, I paid it last year, and I was pretty happy about it. It's delicious. It's a good apple. Um, we have Manuel Chavez for Tatemo at the bake sale this weekend. Um, next month we have like Burger Chan coming. Ooh. Forgot who else? I'm bad. I'm really bad if I forgot you. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. But we are super excited to host Jenny tomorrow night. Yeah, Sorry. I will. I, it's too late. It's too late for anyone listening to this, but I, I will be there, and I am looking forward to it. It's probably going to be really delicious, and you're going to be really sad you missed it. <laughs> All right, yeah. Becky, thanks for being here. Thank you, always. All right, I will be right back with Jason and Daya and Manwin. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating. I'm joined this week by. Two men who are opening a new hand roll restaurant in the Heights. Gentlemen, I'm going to introduce you individually so that people can hear your voices. Jason and Daya, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for being here. Man Win, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Jason, let me I always like to start these interviews at the beginning. Uh, we're here to talk about Hondo, your new sushi roll restaurant you're opening this month. But but let's let's start at the beginning. Jason, how did you become interested in the restaurant business so being originally from houston i've worked in restaurants ever since i was 16 years old um got my start at papado in stafford as a host and then i worked at super salad for a while and then pf chang's and then america's and during my time at pf chang's and america's i was going to school at u of h at the hilton college um, and it was really through a, from a recommendation from my cousin that I ended up there, um, because he was doing the hospitality program as well. Um, and once it got a hold of me, it never really let go. Um, after I graduated, I moved to Seattle and worked for Marriott for a while. And then honestly, at that point, I kind of decided I was fed up with hospitality so I walked away for a little bit, um, studied for my GMAT, came back home to Houston, got my MBA at Rice, and then after that, I moved to LA in 2010, 
where I had been for the past eight years until my return to Houston in 2018. All right. So you, but while you were in LA, you were working, eventually you made your way back to the restaurant business, right? I did. You were working for, so where were you, so what, what were you doing in LA? In LA, um, I opened some businesses with one of my classmates and the last two of those had been restaurants in downtown. Um, the first one was a restaurant called FOH, um, short-lived experiment, I guess. Uh, it was a partnership with a chef from Mexico. Um, and it was just one of those things where not everyone was on the same page about what was expected um, in order to compete successfully out there in Los Angeles. Um, and once we closed that, we opened up a restaurant called Rock and Riley's, which was originally in West Hollywood um, as a pub, but they wanted to expand into more of like a restaurant restaurant. So they worked with us to open up in our space, which was 5,500 square feet, about 100, 180 seating capacity. So a ship of a restaurant. Yeah, it's a big, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, and then during my time in LA, you know, food scene out there is great. I started going to a handroll place out there that I fell in love with. And for a while, I had thought that Houston could use one of these. Yeah. All right. We'll come to Hondo in just a minute. Let me, man, let me turn the conversation to you. How did you become interested in becoming a chef? I, I know you've worked in the, I know you worked kind of through various concepts in the Azuma group for a long time. Uh, well, I, I, got, I guess I got my start when I was young and probably teenage when I was in high school. Uh, I started working at a couple of restaurants, and actually I was raised in uh, Louisiana, um, Thibodeau half, half of the time there, and uh, I moved to New Orleans in the 90s. So I started working at restaurants there, um, a couple of Japanese restaurants there when I was in high school. And then um, when I left uh, New Orleans, I went to college in Savannah, Georgia, ended up working for a Japanese chef there uh, at his sushi bar. Um, I was working as actually a tapon chef in the back in the kitchen um, just to kind of pay for school. You know, at first it's more cooking was more of a hobby for me. Uh, my family's into it. My family does it for, 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 for work, but I was never into it as a main income source of income, I guess. Always a hobby, something I did to, on the side to make money um, when I was in college. And that's what I did to, to, to pay for school and just living expenses. Um, the whole restaurant thing and working as a chef didn't hit me until I finally realized that school wasn't for me after six years in college. Um, so ended up just working uh, in, as, you know, just putting my head down and working and learning the business as much as possible. Um, and then once I got you know, tired of actually the city of Savannah. Um, I moved away uh, to Florida, worked there for a little bit um, with a, a few friends down there that I went to college with, and then uh, ended up going back to Savannah to learn a little bit more about sushi. Right. Uh, with how, my, how long have you been in Houston? I've been in Houston since 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah. And where have you worked when you were in Houston? Uh, my first job was with Soma Sushi yep. when I first came. And then um, they're part of the Azuma group. So I ended up um, helping them and taking over their uh, Azuma Sugarland location in 2011 to 2014. And then after them, I went work for uh, Sage 400 uh, for three years until 2017, end of 2017. 
So, so you're <laughs> you're next door to your old stomping ground. <laughs> yeah, yes, I just realized that. <laughs> but I love this area. I love the Galleria area to live. All right. So, so Jason, how did you and Man meet? So we actually met through our publicist Tiffany, um, because I was talking to her about you know needing a chef because some of the chef candidates that we had just didn't pan out. So she said, let me put my feelers out there and see, you know, who's around. So she knew a sushi chef named Harold in town who said, hey, I'm kind of tied up, but I think I might have a guy for you. So Tiffany got man's contact information and I reached out to him and that's how we, that's how we met. We just hit it off right away. All right. So let's get into Hondo because I... I mean, I, I do have some questions, but but why don't we just start with, I mean, it's a hand roll concept, but but talk to me about the name, because I know that that's, that was an important choice. And, and, I, and I know I've been, mis, I've been mispronouncing it throughout this broadcast, so let's, we'll, we'll get the pronunciation straight and, and the logic behind the name. Yeah, so the logic behind the name, um, it's hand rolls, obviously. So for me, Hondo, it's, it's not a literal translation in Japanese to mean hand, but it's the way a Japanese person would try and say hand to an American or an English-speaking person. So they would just say hando. Um, and being that hands are the way that tamaki or hand rolls are meant to be consumed, it made sense to us. So it's really from our hands to yours. Okay, so why a hand roll concept instead of a regular sushi restaurant that would serve maki and sashimi and temaki, you know, all of the, all of the different preparations? Like, why specifically hand rolls? Okay, so I think, for me, hand rolls are just a completely different experience. So the way that we would serve them is they would be coursed out throughout the meal. So if you ordered five you would only have one in front of you each time. And the sushi chef would then deliver the next one when you were done. This way, you're kind of guaranteed the freshest product possible. So the seaweed stays crispy, the rice is a little bit warm, and the protein is not just sitting at room temperature on your plate. Man, uh, let, me, let me swing this back to you. What, I mean, obviously you've prepared all kinds of sushi working for... Yes. Uh, sushi for stage 400 and, and the various consumer group restaurants. Like what about working at a hand roll restaurant specifically appealed to you? Well, I, I, I like the idea of um, being able to, I guess, interact more with customers when we're doing hand rolls. Um, and then being able to, to see and provide just, just like what Jason said, you know, one, 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 one hand roll at a time. Um, it, it makes it, it guarantees, or it doesn't, I mean, I can't say guarantee, but it gives that customer um, a, a sense of that we're paying attention to them, a sense of hospitality. Um, that's, that's, I think that's kind of lost with a lot of sushi, sushi restaurants. You know, instead of just doing an omakase menu, um, this is more, actually, they don't have to worry about that. And <laughs> right. Well, and an omakase menu might be, you know, $100 a person or even more than that. Um, my yes. sense is that Hondo is going to be considerably more affordable. Yes. Yes, definitely. But 
what I like about the idea is that in an omekase setting, you feel so cared for, and each piece is delivered to you, and you're sitting at that counter, so you're, you know, it's it's buzzy around there. And with the handroll bar, you do get to experience at least something very similar to that, but at a fraction of the cost to the consumer. Right. So you'll be, this will have all bar seating. There won't be any regular tables. Um, that is correct. So 24 seats around a U-shaped bar. And then, and how did you decide on the heights is the right place to open? So, I mean, everyone who's paying attention to restaurants in Houston knows that the heights is probably where everyone is going to for food. A lot of great places out there already. Um, I was just thinking that as far as Japanese cuisine goes, a little bit underrepresented out there. I mean, there are some spots, um, but there's definitely room for a handroll barred out there. And then, man, let me, I mean, you guys are getting pretty close to opening. What are, I mean, you know, I think, I think everybody listening to this has probably had like a spicy tuna hand roll. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean that, that, that was like the first thing that popped into my head anyway. Uh, what are you doing to kind of elevate that to make it more of an experience for people? Um, well, what we're doing is kind of adding a little bit more to what hand rolls are. Um, as in, you know, the selection wise, we're not bringing a lot of selection, but we're bringing enough and we're trying to push the quality of the selection. Um, we do, you know, we're bringing in Toro, we're bringing in special items whenever the seasons are coming, just like every other sushi bar would. But what we do is we want to make sure that we're getting the best quality of that product when we do bring it in. And we're doing a lot of things that are in-house, like we're actually bringing masubi, which is a Hawaiian thing, you know, um, spam. But instead of doing a regular pork spam, we're, we're enhancing it a little bit with the beef. And then we're doing a tonkatsu style spam. So it's a little, we, 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 we're doing plays on almost traditional, but we're keeping it as, as consistently traditional as possible. So, so like instead of a fried pork cutlet, a, a mm-hmm. fried spam or a fried beef for a, in, a, in a hand roll? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's, a, it's our take of doing a combination of spam and negamaki together into a hand roll. I could, I could, that sounds like something I could be into. <laughs> uh, Jason, talk to me a little bit about the timing. I mean, I know you guys are getting pretty close to opening. Yeah, so right now, I mean, we signed the lease for this place a year ago. Um, and now we are really seeing uh, the fruits of all our labor and preparation start to, um, you know, manifest itself into the space. Right now, most of the finishes are up. We've already started training our staff. Um, so we're looking at probably about two weeks of training, and then we'll get into some of the pre-opening events. Uh, Timeline-wise, you know, we hope to be about two to three weeks out. So fingers crossed on or about December 1st? All the fingers crossed. <laughs> Toes, everything. <laughs> yes. I mean, December 1st is a Sunday. I mean, I've... I've memorized the calendar more than <laughs> most people should, but um, December 2nd is when we're looking to officially do a soft opening. And where exactly will you be located? Uh, it's on the corner of Ashland and 11th in the Heights. So definitely a neighborhood feel right in there. Yeah. So what are you, so what are you near? Is that, is that 
like where are you in relation to like eight row flint or lola or okay so we are probably what a quarter mile down from yale from eight row okay so we're between yale and shepherd oh so you're very close to where presidio used to be yes yeah we're diagonal from presidio okay um how are you feeling about this now that you're you know, you've been you've been chasing the stream for a year. I mean, you're you're about to throw the doors up. And how are you? How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling great. I think that Houston is definitely ready for this concept, and I've seen the work that Chef Man has put into the menu and his recipes and stuff like that. And um, if the staff's reactions to the first tasting we had with them uh, this past weekend were any indication of um, how the city's going to feel about it, then I'm feeling pretty good. And then. What are you doing? So, is are the only food hand rolls? I mean, are there? There's not maki. There's not sashimi. There's not. I don't know. Are there gyoza or other appetizers? Yeah. So for the food, it's the menu is predominantly going to be the hand rolls. Probably about twelve of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they'll range from the fresh fish to some shellfish. As you heard, we're going to do a um, a beef spam one, and then some vegetarian options um, that'll also swing vegan. Um, other than that, we're thinking of doing about five to six hot plates coming out because we do have a full kitchen. Um, and then for to-go items, we're actually not going to offer the hand rolls to-go. So you got to eat them there. Well, right. I guess if the whole point of sitting at the bar is to get them when they're crispy and the right temperature and, and all that, then selling them to-go would would be antithetical to that. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like, um, you know, when you go to Krispy Kreme and the light is always, like, when it's on? Yeah. That's when they're fresh. Like, our light is just always on. <laughs> the the, the sushi is always hot and fresh. At, that's the one. At that's Honda. One, yeah. Um, for to-go, we will do cut maki, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you'll be able to get a yeah, California if, roll or whatever. Not a California. You're making a face <laughs> at me. California roll, not on the menu. <laughs> yes, it's not on the menu right now. <laughs> Uh, but whatever hand rolls that we have available, we're we are gonna. That's gonna be on our to go menu. Yeah, there will be a maki, a regular cut maki preparation for mm-hmm. those. Okay. For those. Yeah. But they won't be available in the dining room. No. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then talk to me about about beverages. You've you've gifted me with a what I assume is a very delicious bottle of Japanese whiskey. Are you gonna have a full mixed bev or wine and beer or what's the, what's the plan? Yes, we're gonna have the full mixed beverage license, uh, which we already have. So. If you want sake, beer, wine, Japanese whiskey, we got it. So we also what, have a menu of cocktails coming too. Right. So what pairs with a hand roll? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you going to do Japanese style highballs? Are you going to do Japanese beer? Like, like, what do you? Yeah, I'm playing around with the idea of just like a highball menu um, to have different kinds of Japanese highballs um, altogether. But we are going to have a tight menu of cocktails, probably five or six to open with i mean execution is everything and i think that you know to open strong you kind of have to um manage your expectations of what you think a staff could do especially with a um a new concept a new service style for a lot of people yeah i i have to say i'm i'm intrigued by your work history because (laughs) anyone who comes through the pappas organization has like a pretty deep understanding of service and customer experience sure and if you achieved success in la which is a very dynamic, uh, very eclectic restaurant scene. Uh, I mean, that's, I don't know. How does, how does, how do you feel about Houston compared to 
what you experienced in LA. I mean, do you do you feel like the time is right for Houston in this concept or uh I mean, I felt like the time is right in Houston for a while. It just takes a little bit of time to get the planning done. Um I've been this has been in the works for about 2 years for me. Um I started it already when I was in LA just kind of planning it and making sure that I presented it correctly in a way that um the city would hopefully embrace. But in terms of a comparison between LA and Houston, um it's different for sure. Um and the way that I would say it's I mean I've, I've I can number a li- a num- I mean I could fire off a number of differences between the two, but I would say the glaring difference is that here in Houston the service matters so much more than it does in LA. And I love that. And I think that that's something that I can't wait for people to experience when they come into Hondo. And then man, on that on that focus, I mean the you know, when you're when you're serving people across a sushi bar, the interaction is so much more important than if, you know, a server's ferrying stuff from the kitchen back and forth. I mean, are you are you ready for this? I mean, are you excited about interacting with people? Oh, oh I love, I love, it. I love it. That's, I think that's why I stayed uh, as a sushi chef because before I worked always in the back of the kitchen. I was, I was, but once I got into doing more sushi and getting into a sushi bar, I, I learned that part of it is being service and the hospitality and being getting to know people and talking to to them because it's very important as a chef to learn your customers, um, so you can give them a better service and better food. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, I think I think the quality of the food, you know, I, I think that's going to speak for itself. But I, I do think what will separate this restaurant is that personal, that personal touch. At least that's what it sounds like. Is is that's what's really going to kind of define the experience of of dining at the restaurant? Do you? I mean, that that feels like that was kind of your goal. Yes, um, I mean, I think that. Being in hospitality for as long as I've been it, I could I could tell you that it's a universal language, um, and Houston is just such a a melting pot, um, and I think that everyone will get it. Yeah. So, so just, I mean, I it's funny. I this sounds so this sounds so stupid, but you know, we we've all got you know everybody eats sushi. Poke came to Houston. We all started eating poke. Right. We all had to kind of figure out like how we wanted our combos and building our bowls and how many scoops and all this. <laughs> so like how many, how many hand rolls is a meal? And, and like approximately, what do you think it's going to cost? Like if I, if I want, am I going to get three? Am I going to get five? Like, like what's a, what's a dinner? What does dinner look like at, at Hondo? I would say that a meal would probably be five hand rolls and a plate or two to share with whoever you're with. Um, because the small plates are coming out of the kitchen, though they're meant to be shared, they're not like huge family style portions. Sure. Yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, just blow out someone's palate or their appetite on the plates when really, you know, the hand rolls are very much a part of the experience. All right. So dinner for two with a couple of cocktails, mm-hmm. 80 bucks. Dinner for two, yeah, you can fit that in there. All right, for sure. So a little, a little, a little less expensive than going to a sushi restaurant, right? Because if I go to, oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. Um, 
if I go to go eat sushi, I mean, you're dropping some serious money. Yep. And my, it's usually my, an event. My last visit to MF just by myself with a beer and just trying to, you know, just trying to like catch up on the menu, get like a little feel for the place. Mm-hmm. I think it was $90 before tax and tip. So yeah, this isn't that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> my, my wallet. Thanks you. My, you know, um, well, gentlemen, I, I'm kind of at the end of my questions unless there's, uh, but if there's something else about some aspect of the restaurant you would like to discuss now, now's the time to bring it up. Chef. No, I don't. I'm leaving it to you, Jason. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I mean, Houston, we hope that you're ready for us because we're definitely ready for you guys. Um, and this is kind of super special to me because it's my homecoming. Um, and it is, you know, my opportunity to, you know, really contribute to the dining scene here in the city that I love. So, Well, right. and, and obviously, I mean, if this takes off, this is the sort of thing that you could replicate. You, know, you could do three or four of these pretty easily, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely daydreamed about what scaling looks like for this thing, but I try not to get too ahead of myself, um, you know, one at a time. Yeah, that's, that's very practical of you. <laughs> um, well, I always wrap these interviews up with something I call the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, man, what is your favorite cookbook? Um, my favorite cookbook is the uh, the Flavor Bible. I think we've had that before. Jason, how about you? Um, my favorite cookbook right now is I will. I've just been going into the one that uh, Chris Shepard just put out. Oh, uh, what's it? Cooking. Yeah, how to local. cook, cook, how to cook like, like a local? local? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been really looking into that stuff. Uh, Jason, what's the first band you ever saw in concert? Erasure in Astroworld. <laughs> Awesome. Man, how about you? Uh, Dave Matthews. Very good. Uh, man, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Uh, Nolan Ryan. Jason, how about you? The Dream. Solid. Jason, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. <laughs> um, I've got to say it's a 10-piece chicken nuggets. <laughs> what's, your, what's your dipping sauce? Sweet and sour all day. Man, how about you? I was going to say the same thing. It's 10 piece chicken nugget. He's, <laughs> he's lying. He's never had chicken nuggets in his life. Uh, but I, I'm at the moment, I'm with the, the double hamburger from McDonald's with, with the medium fries. All right. And then, man, finally, when you, when you go out for pizza, what is your go to pizza order? Uh, pepperoni, sausage, no cheese. Jason, how about you? Pepperoni, sausage, and mushrooms. Very close. Pep- sausage, pepperoni and mushroom is, is mine. That's a, that's a very respectable answer. All right, Jason, give us, the, uh, give us the website and social media and all that for Hondo. Okay, so the website is www.hondohtx.com and the Instagram handle is at hondohtx. H-A-N-D-O, Hondo. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks, thank Eric. Thanks, right. Eric. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.